Hey, welcome to the Plant Yourself Podcast. I'm your host, Howard Jacobson. Before we get to today's show, a quick reminder that this podcast is free for everyone and supported by those who can afford it. So uh, if you have found this podcast a useful companion during 2020, and you'd like to see it continue through 2021, I would invite you to go to plantyourself.com slash gift. If you are in a position where you have the means to support something that means something to you and hopefully uh, you think is doing good in the world. You can use PayPal or Patreon. You can make a one-time contribution or become an ongoing sustaining patron of the show. And if funds are too tight for you to show your appreciation in a monetary sense, you can still leave a review of the Plant Yourself podcast on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. That also helps us a great deal. All right, on to today's episode. This is the Plant Yourself podcast. I'm Howard Jacobson of plantyourself.com. So after working on Whole with the Colin Campbell, I really got into the idea of holism, of seeing the big picture, of looking at systems within systems. So while I started out interested in diet and plant-based diet, that quickly expanded to health in general. And since I see a plant-based diet as the authentic human diet, and since Josh Lajani has shown me that bipedal locomotion, walking, running, jogging, climbing, is the quintessential human movement. Today, we're going to talk about quintessential human healing. When we've suffered a sort of a strain or an injury or any sort of musculoskeletal problem. My guest today is Tom Delonzo Baker, who is the founder of Total Motion Physical Therapy. And I am so lucky that his offices are just one hour away from me because in the fall, my knee, my right knee, was just getting worse and worse and worse, and it was stopping me from doing my martial arts. It was stopping me from, from running, from kind of enjoying movement and life. And I was getting a little bit slothful and resentful. And, you know, I was in my 51st year and feeling like, well, I guess this is where things are going from now on. And then my friend Eileen Kapsaftis, whom I know from Wellness Forum Health, told me about Tom and his practice. And I checked it out. And after 12 sessions, I was started training for the 50K. And it wasn't just that it worked. It was the way it worked and the underlying philosophies and principles behind it. So just like we can talk about the principles of plant-based eating and how humans evolved to do that, Tom has a phenomenal sense of how animals and humans evolved to heal ourselves, not by putting on ice packs and, and, and hot packs, not by getting injections, not by having someone else manipulate us, but through our own movement. So what he's done over the last 20, 25 years is really pioneered a trial and error approach to healing ourselves. One quick story before we get to the interview. Last week, I was chatting with my collaborator, Josh Lajani, who was saying that he had knee pains and knee problems, and he was kind of embarrassed. He had to give a speech at LSU, and he was walking up the stairs really gently, gingerly, gently like an old man, and um, felt, you know, kind of like a fraud, like talking to all these young kids about the power of plants and running, and there he was sort of limping up the stairs. So I put him in touch with Tom, and Tom kindly gave him a a full Skype workout. And what Josh told me was that after about 10 minutes, he had a holy shit moment where all of a sudden the pain had gone from a perceived 80 out of 100 down to zero in 10 minutes. And it's pretty much stayed that way. So uh, Josh is an eminently practical person. And for him to turn into a true believer in 10 minutes just reinforces my sense that what Tom has to teach us is profound. I visited Tom in his home in Raleigh, North Carolina, and we sat out on his back porch and had a wonderful conversation amidst uh, some beautiful ambient rain. So without further ado, Tom Delonzo Baker, welcome to the Plant Yourself Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me here, Howard. Appreciate yeah. It. Well, thanks for having me here. We're at, <laughs> we're at your, your beautiful house and your beautiful back porch, so folks will be able to hear the, the ambient rain and some thunder now. We finally needed some, hey, so it's nice to hear. Amen. Amen. So uh, 
Yeah, so people can listen to this you know, also when they go to sleep. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, that, that'll be good. That white noise. <laughs> hey, we love that podcast you know, how it's raining in the background. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll send this to drought-stricken areas all, all across the country. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> so I wanted to talk to you because you are largely responsible for the fact that I'm running now, that I'm moving now, that I'm not at a 45-degree angle when I walk around. You know, obviously you, you and, um, and Chip... Yes. Um, so let me let's let's you know, a, a brief introduction. I, I found you through uh, Eileen Kapsaftis of Wellness Forum Health, and yep. when I was saying my knee is completely messed up, and I don't know what to do about it, and I've done everything I can think of. It's just getting worse and worse, and I'm getting more and more restricted in what I could do. She looked online. She said, "All right, here's a guy only an hour away." And mm-hmm. so I, I went to uh, your Total Motion PT clinic for like three months, three times a week. And the results have been not only phenomenal, but the experience itself has been phenomenal. And I just really want to share this with the world. Me too. Me too. So I, I'm appreciate it. So I can start anywhere you'd like as far as, you know, how we're different, what we do. Um, you tell me and, and, you know, you can yeah. ask me a question I can take off from there. Or? Well, yeah. Why, why don't we start with... Like the, like I didn't want to do physical therapy. I was resistant because I had certain ideas about what physical therapy is and its limitations, and maybe maybe start there with like what like what are the strengths and weaknesses of physical therapy as it's done outside of of your clinic and the people you've trained. Well, let me ask you this first because you said you had maybe certain beliefs about it and didn't want to do it. Tell me what yeah. yours were beforehand because you will probably notice it's a heck of a lot like other people's. They have perhaps misconceptions and then we'll go in from the differences. So what, what yeah. was it? Why didn't you want to have physical therapy? Um, honestly, I, I had a sense that it was just going to be sort of massage manipulation and that I, like I've had massages my whole life. Like it just seemed like another, another thing to do. Yeah. Um, and from from like looking online at different like I'd see someone who had some some new technique like for example Sue Hitman has this melt method, yeah. And it looked really cool. And I went onto some forums, physical therapist forums, and they're all like poo pooing it. Yes. So it seemed like it was a very conservative profession. Yes, it can be. Yeah, it definitely can be. So what I, I like to share with people is that, you know, we even did a survey out to doctors, like made sure we got a hundred doctors. Uh, and what we found out is what was physical therapy. And we've done a horrible job of, you know, maybe advertising ourselves. And what they said was massage and exercise. And what people don't know is the gift that most many therapists have with their hands and the understanding of, you know, massages very rarely used, but yet we're manual therapists, which means we do, can do a lot of, of manual therapy if we need to, uh, all, which oftentimes can be the same thing that a chiropractor does if we need to do that. Plus, we have a lot of another set of skills. But as you came over to see us, is that we were doing a corrective exercise that's really not like any other corrective exercise, which I can talk about, you know, how it's different here in a second, too. And it, it leads to the point of saying a lot of you guys um, that are out there have probably had some chronic pain or you've been out there to see a bunch of people. And you're saying, wow, I don't want to go to another therapist because it's going to be the same old, same old stuff. And knowing what that same old, same old stuff is will help you lead to see whether this is going to be helpful for you. Okay, gotcha. So let, maybe let's go back to your your journey because you you know you didn't you weren't born with an idea no. about how to do things differently. So how, no. you know what what was your journey in physical therapy and when, when did you start? You know what, what what's your what has been your progression to the thing you've developed? Right, sure. So actually, I was I was I'd been in other careers. I'd been a teacher before this, and it, it probably leads up to it because I, I was always fascinated with helping someone help themselves obviously that's what a teacher does uh but i didn't know that was going to be part of my pt role and so when i got into pt uh it was you know later in life it was my third career i guess it was and when i got in it was okay you know and i said there's got to be more to it so when i first got out i just said i'm going to take a ton of courses so i took a ton and ton of manual therapy courses right and that's what i got really good at but i became fascinated with one this one gentleman that had a process. It was called strain counter strain. All right, it's now called counter strain. Um, but what it was was instead of lengthening tissue, you know, so if something's in restri- is restricted, you shorten the tissue. 
So if you had a, a shoulder problem and it wasn't, let's just say, raising up out to the side, so you couldn't raise your arm up out to the side, there was usually a tender point underneath in your rib cage somewhere. Mm. And if you found that tender point, you could actually side bend over it and it would reset itself. And all of a sudden, you could lift up your arm. So you'd side, like, so when I think about like a tender point or something, like my inclination is always to stretch it. So it's kind of like lift them. If, if I'm having trouble lifting my arm up, then what I want to do is like lift, really lift that. Lift your arm up lift more. Lift the shit right. out of that exactly arm. Exactly right. There, there's a belief system is, hey, if I want something fixed, I have to go in the direction that it doesn't want to go. Yeah, and I, and I remember like some of the worst injuries I've gotten. I remember one, like one of the worst was in a yoga class where everyone is now sitting on the floor, their feet out in front of them, toes toward them, and they're bending over and trying to touch their feet. And, Ouch. And I am nowhere near my knees. Right. And so the instructor comes over and wants to help me by like pushing your back pushing on my back I'm doing like <laughs> three four minutes like this like this longest yin yoga and I, I got up and it you know it definitely moved me it definitely but mm-hmm. I just I just felt so weak and vulnerable and I think my back gave out in the car on the way home you felt worse afterwards much worse yeah so I can explain that a little bit is it so first I want I want to step back for just a second and so you're asking so what led to is eventually I was led to the idea of shortening tissue or or going into a position of comfort seemed to be better result-wise. And when I say better, it was faster than going into restriction. And so let me take this for example. First, I have to get your, your listeners into what they already believe in. In other words, we can't shift somebody's mindset without them getting to know what it is they think right now. Just like what you said. You thought something and then, bam, I, you came to me and it was, wow, you made me, I made the experience made you think something different. Yeah, well, so, and also, you know, we talk about comfort. Like in the movies, people who do physical therapy, it's always, it's like yeah. the training montage. <laughs> They're like gritting it out, right? Yeah. It's, it's that, that thing is no about... No pain, no gain. Yeah, it's about pain and bravery. And you're saying it's not as effective usually as moving into comfort. Correct, correct. So let me give you an example. Is that first, we're all taught if you were to come into therapy, if you were going to go to any place and you had a pain in your right shoulder or your right knee, you expect to get what treated? The, the thing that hurts. The thing that hurts. Okay, good. So there's the one thing. That's the obvious, right? We think that's the obvious. And then I say, okay, if your arm can't lift forward, what direction of motion do you expect me to treat you into? Forward. Forward, right. We're we're going to address the thing that I'm having trouble with. Absolutely. And if if I go to stretch out my leg and my right leg doesn't stretch, is really tight versus my left leg that isn't, which one are we going to stretch? We're going to, why why bother dealing with the one One, that's working? Exactly. Let's Let's just focus on the problem. Good. So if you guys are out there thinking the exact same thing, right, what's happening is if you've gone to four different therapists or four different clinicians in pain relief, if, you, if I asked you, hey, when they treated you, did they treat you in the area of injury? Chances are you're going to say yes. And I'm going to say, did they also treat you in the direction of injury? And chances are you going to say yes. So you had maybe different people, maybe doing different techniques, but their underlying methodology or concept was the same. So within what the technique called total motion release is doing, we've explored. And so we're, we can go into restriction on the injured side, or we can go into ease on the injured side. So we'll find motions that feel good on the injured side, we'll exercise into them, and see what now that does to your forward arm raise. So I guess part of the problem is it's like a value proposition, right? So if I, if I go to a store, you know, if I go to a restaurant and I order a bowl of soup and they bring me dessert... I'm like, that's not what I wanted. And so someone comes into your office and right. they go, my right knee hurts. <laughs> right. And they go, okay, that's let's good. let's go play with your left elbow. Right. I'm like, are you are you that's not stupid? what it came for? Right. You, exactly. Are you not right. listening? <laughs> yeah. So we have to overcome that, and we have to be able to overcome it very quickly. And he, um, you know, he's probably thinking, you know, Howard's probably thinking back to his first session or something. Like, what are they doing on me? Yeah. Um, but yeah, what we then found out is that. What we did is we found out going into restriction was a direction. And then what we found out, we started exploring opposites. So the opposite of restriction is ease. Okay, so we're on the injured side going into restriction or into ease. We found into ease worked faster. Well, then somebody made a mistake. And as we're doing 
an exercise, they picked up their opposite arm. You're like, we're doing an arm raise, right, on the right side, and the person picks up their left one, and it worked really fast. And we're like, no, wait a second here. Me- meaning you were trying to treat the right arm, and they just, they just got their signals crossed, and they went, into ease on their, they went into ease on the opposite side, and it worked even faster. Well, seeing we're on a podcast, let's see if I can uh, help you see it. So a person couldn't lift their arm out to the side. Okay, so what we do is we wanted to do the opposite. So we made them lift their arm behind their back. Make sense? Yep. Okay, well, this person, as they're lifting their arm behind their back, felt more comfortable if they lifted their left arm out to the side also, like reaching up to the sky and doing this. Uh-huh, like semaphore. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. so as soon as they did that, boom, everything changed a lot faster. And they'd already been with us four or five sessions. And we said, wait a second, do we have all this thing wrong? Might it be actually treating to the opposite side of the body? Could make things even work faster. And so what we learned is we just began testing motion. And we looked for asymmetries of motion. Where were you out of balance in motion, left side versus right side? So when you moved your arm forward above your head on the right, did it, was it restricted in comparison to the left side? And if it was, we could go to the good side, exercise it, within two sets of like 20 reps and show you almost instantly the change it would have on your problem. And that's when we were able to quickly convert people to say, wow, I never knew that would happen. And just like very quickly, I could then show you instead of getting soup that you really wanted dessert, and you go, wow, I guess that is what I wanted. And Uh so it it begins um, quickly so that you go, whoa, maybe these guys know what the heck they're talking about. And then you get, begin learning about this opposite thing, which is just finding asymmetries in your body, moving into the one that's good. Uh-huh. Now, did you, did you feel like you needed a theoretical framework for it? Like, you know, I think about, like, so many people, like, something works that they don't expect to work, and they just don't even notice it because it doesn't fit into the, their preconceived notion of how things work. Well, because I teach this to therapists, the therapists are the harder ones to try to convince into it and needing a theory than maybe the layperson. The layperson may just be like, hey, it worked, that's great, show me how. But as I was going through, and remember, my job is to educate you on a system that you can use for the rest of your life. I want to give you something that when you're done with me, just like I was, I was a math teacher, that was another thing I was in my other careers. And when you left me, you knew how to add, you knew how to subtract, you knew how to this, you knew how to that. I was teaching the underlying methodology so you could have them forever. So if I could teach you a system like that, and believe it or not, we only use six motions, right? Now those six motions get changed into different directions, but that's the basic understanding is there's six motions and we can do it in standing, we do them in sitting, we can do them kneeling on all fours, belly back and sideline, which is the entire human development. That's why this is able to work from infants all the way up to um, you know, geriatric patients, stroke patients, athletes, whatever you want to do it on. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned the, the strain counter strain or the, the counter strain. Yes. So is, is that something of a theoretical underpinning of what you're doing? Could you ex- yes. expl- explain uh, what, what it okay. is? Okay, so counter strain was just is developed by a gentleman, Larry Jones, Lawrence Jones, um, who's no longer with us. And he, he found out that there were tender points on the body that seemed to... Um, if you shortened over them, they reset and were no longer tender. And they, you could find them all over the body. So somebody might come in with jaw pain, and there was a scan that he would do. And when he did that scan, he might find a really, really hot, jumpy, like it just makes you go, ah, behind his, your right knee. And he'd release that by shortening your knee, shortening your legs. When you say shortening the leg? Um, like, so he would, sh- um, so let's say it's the, uh, behind the knee. He would take your heel and bring it up to your butt, which sh- is shortening that tender point. Okay. Can you visualize that? that yeah, so it's, be- it's bending. Bending, yeah, bending it's, it's it instead bending of lengthening in, in, it. In the, so if I think about, like, it's sort of the opposite of what we think of as stretching. Cor- totally, totally. So yeah. I think, if you th- so shortening would be, okay, if I was going to stretch this thing, I would go in one direction. Correct. And this is going to be the other. Totally. Okay. Great way, great, actually, a great way to think of it. And so, but they were doing it where they would move the person's body. They would put them in a position and they would move them and hold them there. And so I was very well trained in that. And I said, wow, you know, all these positions just look like positions. I wonder whether I could, you know, why not just have the person hold themselves there? Can that be done? And we started there. And then all of a sudden what I did is I started moving people 
and finding it was working faster. It was getting rid of not just one tender point, but multiple tender points at once. And so I realized that this motion thing had something to do with it. And it wasn't until that person accidentally did the opposite side that we realized we could completely find tender points without even the person knowing they're finding them just by looking for asymmetries of motion. Uh-huh. Okay. So. Okay. So, um, asymmetries of motion. So, like, all of us have them, right? We're not symmetrical left Correct. to right just in Correct. our structure. Like, one foot's longer, one leg might be a little bit longer, things yep. like that. Um, why is symmetry so important? Why is that, like, the holy grail? For, for, uh, you know, it's a good question. It's not like we're supposed to be in symmetry, but there's an amount of symmetry that we probably play in between of during the day that is, is okay. And then we get outside of that and you'll see that you'll say, hey, maybe your left to right side's not as in symmetry, but it doesn't bug you at all. Okay, we're looking for the things that you go, wow, that's really pulling back. Oh, that's painful. Um, and those, those are the kind of things that we find that when we treat to the other side, it fixes it. Mm-hmm. So do you have a theory on why that happens? So, I mean, let's, let's, let's give a, like a real clear example. So, um, I, I do, I do. So I, so I came in with my knee. Yep. And I, I wasn't able, we, and I got measured. So it, it, was, it wasn't like airy-fairy stuff. It was, you know, hard numbers on a spreadsheet. Yep. This is exactly how far I can go down, yep. measured by inches and in, with a, and a, yep. you know, a, a, a protractor. So I know the angle, I yep. know the distance. Um, I give it a discomfort or pain score. Yep. And then you have me do a bunch of what I couldn't do with my right knee with my left knee. So I'm like yep. sit to stand just using my left side. Yep. And then magically after I do three sets of 10 of that without having done a thing to my right leg, my right knee is now 50% better. Which means now you can get up from the chair that you couldn't before. So yes, it's, it's, it's not like um, some woo-woo kind of, oh, well, you think it's better now and maybe when you leave it, it'll, it'll be gone. No, you're getting... You're getting physical changes and performance improvements as you're sitting there with us. Right. In, 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 in a minute. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So how the hell does that work? All right. We can go into it. So <laughs> it's got to do with becoming more aware or observing things that we're not already observing. Okay. So here's the very common thing. I'm just going to use a deer in the woods. So a deer's in the woods and it sprains its back right hoof. So now let's look at the other three hoofs and the one that's hurt. All right, so when he sprains the back right hoof, or let's just say foot now, which foot does he now not weight bear as much on? The injured one. The injured one, right? Okay. So we all see that, and then we think we have to go and do what? Help it. Right. Okay, let's observe what's now happening with the other three. What's happening now with the other three? They're, they're, as far as weight bearing. Well, they're compensating by taking on more weight. M- more weight, right? So what's making that back right leg heal? Well, uh, before I talked to you, I would have said time. Okay. Right. And, and you would have said not putting weight on the not, back right not leg. Not putting weight on the back right leg. Well, when you see this working and you get a feel and you get to experience it yourself, you're going to see that it's not just the back right leg not working. It's the other three working harder and so what you can then begin to say is you can say, okay, are you telling me that if it's the three are doing more weight and the one's not doing much, could we take the other three extremities and work them harder and make it heal faster? And that sounds absurd, right? But we can test that. That's not something you cannot test. You just work the other three harder and see if the, the, the fourth one, the bad leg, gets better quicker. And that's what we did. And then we began saying, so it's almost like there's a center of gravity, right? So we've all got a center of gravity around our belly buttons. Right. If I sprain my back right ankle, okay, sorry, if I sprain my right ankle, it kind of pulls that center of gravity towards it. Like, won't we all agree that when we sprain our right ankle, that leg gets tight? So if we truly have a center of gravity or center of balance right where our belly button is, ooh, there's a nice thunder, um, would you agree that it's pulling that center down towards that ankle? Yes. Okay, good. So let's say naturally, when you sprain your right ankle, what do you then do with your left leg? Um, well, when, you, when you sprain your right ankle, what now, where are you weight-bearing more? On my, on my left. Left. So let's just say now, so what you're doing is you're pulling that in midline, which is between your legs, but you're not totally back in center where your belly button is. I know that's probably mm-hmm. kind of hard to see, and if it is, yeah. then you tell me, you're the podcaster, how, how are we going to get uh-huh. them to see it? 
but we're pulling it back over to the left, which is well, in midline between the legs, but right. it's not back up in center. So we have to use two other areas of our body, right? We have to use the other two extremities to pull that back up in center. So our philosophy is always about what are the other three extremities? What can the other three extremities do to pull that back in center? And sometimes if somebody sprains their back right, or the sprains their right leg, or right ankle, we can just use the left upper extremity, and that'll pull that back in center. So the image I'm getting is like making a bed. Okay. With, with like, you know, the... Oh, I like that. So that, you know, if, if, the, if the, the top right sh- uh, sheet, fitted sheet is all bunched up after a night, I can pull on the right, the left bottom. Yes, there you go. And, you know, just going opposite. Oh, I like that. Good. That's simple. Right. Correct. Is that, is that, Correct. Totally. Okay. Or you could, I mean, like, you may have to pull all, three of them to put them back to, to, to where it is. Right? right. But if I'm just trying to use that one, it's, yep. it's going to be really hard because everything's bunched up right there. There's nowhere for it to go. You got it. You got it. And so our statement is this. You know, forget even the theory part. We say this. If you've had a chronic pain for three weeks or, or longer, all right, and it's not improving, all right, and let's say you've, or you've been to people, all right, you've been to other clinicians, and you, you do right now say, wow, they have treated my area of injury, and they pretty much treated it under restriction, then chances are that way is not going to work for you. You, they, you've had a good, good amount of work done it. Let's just make an assumption they're good therapists, okay? They're good therapists treating into restriction and treating on the injured side. So you just need another paradigm or another concept, which is to go to the easier. And we still, like for us, we can, because we know the big, the whole picture, we can go and do either. Where most therapists don't even, like you weren't aware of this is, is it before you came, Howard. Right. So you weren't even thinking about going to do something to the opposite direction or into comfort. So giving you that alone gives you 50% more solutions or twice as many solutions. Right. Now, but now I mean, one thing that um, I hadn't thought of is like, okay, so I've injured my ankle. Yep. Now, worst case scenario, I've got to hobble around, so I'm going to put a lot of pressure on the other leg. It's going to have to overcompensate. I'm going to okay. have to sort of cheat things. Maybe I'll get some crutches. Best case scenario, I can take three weeks off and lay in bed <laughs> and do nothing, and that's, that's the best for it to just do total rest so i injure myself like let's not mm. do anything and you're that, you're dear- i'm saying that it probably would not uh you know a lot of times doctors will say just rest okay and if rest helps it great but a lot of people they rest but they haven't now they get back into their daily activity of now stressing that thing some and now it's really not healed they thought oh i rested for a week it'll be okay but when they get back to their activities it's not if it did great mm. but m- most of the time it didn't why because the other three extremities weren't worked it's really hard to argue with you because... Cause <laughs> I you're, thought about this a long time, right? Cause you're, well, no, because you're just going, hey, if it, you're, you're not, like, defending anything. No, no, never defend. And I'm not trying to... I'm not trying to... It's not a... It, it's a, kind of like a principle and a law. It's kind of like something, hey, you can go test it and find it out for yourself. It's not something that says, oh, you have to have my logic and my understanding to do it. You just go, okay, let's go find some motions, left versus right. Treat it. <laughs> Right, right. We don't have to, I don't have to have faith in mathematics. No, no. You don't have to like me or not like me or anything <laughs> else either. So, so it sounds like, I mean, just the, the wisdom of nature is that that, that that animal doesn't really get to rest. Correct. The deer. They, you know, they, don't, they don't hang a sign up and, and say, you know, don't bother me for three weeks and please, predators, leave me alone. So it's, it's almost like there's, there's a... Like, what, one of the things that I always try to figure out, because we're so messed up in this culture around medicine and health and wellness, and we're so confused about diet and nutrition, is you know just look towards other creatures who who aren't right. confused by their you know giant brains like we are, being and, told what you have to do or should do or should, yeah correct yeah I mean just look just seeing like what would happen naturally when an animal injured a limb. Okay, so let me, let me go on that. So one of the first things is somebody gave me a study of gorillas that would they tranquilize. And I, don't, I, I don't know whether they broke their arms or they had already had breaks. All right? Let's hope the other one, they already had the breaks yeah, or something. Let's assume. But, but they, they tranquilize them, and then they would tag them. And what they wanted to do is to see whether six months later they could see where that break was. And they couldn't. So something, and, but if you were to break an arm right now, Okay, six months later, we could still tell where that is. So something out in nature, they're just going out there and healing. They're not doing things the way they should, you know, quote, the way we think they should, all right? It's not the way the 
medicine says, hey, this is the way it should be, all right, you need to do this and this and this, they're just doing, right? So what is it? So we have to be able to observe what is it they're doing, right? Uh-huh. And so th- when you look at, you know, the, hey, where are they weight-bearing, where are they not weight-bearing, okay? If we could put, you know, even pads under their feet about which one, are they weight-bearing more in the left front leg now and things like that, you would probably see that we could um, very quickly get a lot more people to heal. I mean, there's times my brother, my brother, my son hurts his ankle and we'll take him outside and we'll make him exaggerate his ankle sprain. So he's limping and we'll make him limp even more with his body and it'll heal him like 95% of the time, like in like six minutes or seven minutes or five minutes, whatever the heck, 10 minutes, I don't care. But we've taken him right out here to the yard that you guys don't see out back and just said, all right, well, just run like your body wants to. And he limps, right? He goes slow and I go go exaggerate and he gets his whole body into that motion that his body's wanting to do. Not the one that we think, oh, you shouldn't work, but wanting to do and exaggerate it, which is going into the ankle sprain and he'll change. Yeah, I mean, that's, that has such like, profound implications. It I does. Because, you know, like we're, we're told not to like, make a big deal of things. Like, you know, don't, like if I'm limping, it's like, oh, you know, trying to get sympathy. Yeah, or like, oh, you poor thing. Right. And yet, like, when you, when you put it that way, like, it's what our body wants to do. Correct. Like, how much of my life is spent trying to override what my body wants to do? And it's a, to me, that's the biggest point right there is that, see, your brain will override what your body's trying to do, right? And so as soon as I t- tune somebody into that idea that, hey, look, just go where your body wants to. My boy was out, out, out here, and he'd laugh a little bit, and he'd, he'd get all, this looks stu- I look stupid doing this. And I go, okay, that's a mindset, right? I look stupid doing it, therefore I need to not do it, yeah. right? And I said, but that's okay. Just look stupid for five minutes, all right? And let's see how much better you are. And what, what, what's so cool about this is people don't see this is that, we do this even with cerebral palsy patients. We go into their deformities. We'll do that with stroke patients. We'll go into their deformities. And it's fascinating to see things change. There's something called torticollis, which we know is maybe wry neck or a baby who's got his head turned to the side, you know, side bent to the side. And that's, that's something that, again, everybody's always tried to stretch out. And it's horrible. The baby cries. The parents don't like taking them to therapy because it's, mm-hmm. it's, it, it's grueling. And now here we have a technique that just kind of softens them into the motion that they want to go into. So we take them further into the side bend. We take them in where they want to go. Mm-hmm. You know, so that if the head's side bent to the right, we take them further into it and we side bend their whole body. And we put them in that position while they hold the milk, you know, hold their baby bottle. And, you know, the parents just are very grateful for that. There must be some anxiety at first. Like, no, 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 that's the wrong way. Like, what if, you know, it's like, don't make that face. What if you get stuck there? Yeah, I mean, again, you know, that's why I always try in the beginning is to raise the awareness of what people already think so that I can help them compare it to this new thing. Because nobody can, I can't ever make somebody change their mind. I can only let them change their own. And they have to do it through their own experience. They have to experience it. They have to see the result. And then they have to say, wow, maybe the thing I thought was the way things were isn't. Mm-hmm. And only then, and again, you can't do that just one time and expect the mind to change, their belief system to change. They've got to see that result over and over again. And so like, we'll say that, uh, you can answer this question too, it takes people about four or five sessions before their mind wraps around and goes, oh, I totally get this now. And it's literally it's just like this light bulb goes off. Oh, you know, it's like the 17th time after they've um, gotten better with every time they've tested and treated, they, they go, oh, that's really neat. Yeah. And then there's something that just, I don't know, then, they, then they, it just becomes part of them. Yeah, it's funny because, you know, we think, I have this thought that, well, the body takes a long time to heal. Um, but I remember reading in a book, God, maybe two, three decades ago, it was called Job's Body. It was a guide mm. for, for like body workers. And he used the, the author used the example of like an old man coming in completely restricted in motion, sort of shuffling, mm-hmm. unable to raise limbs. This is, if, if you gave that old man a, uh, a strong sedative or, you know, put them under, you'd be able to move them around like a rag doll. Like mm. it's like unconsciously. Yeah. I've heard that through hypnosis too. You can take somebody through hypnosis yeah. and they can all of a sudden move too. Yeah, so that, so, so that, you know, when you talk about like it takes me four sessions or 17, you know, it's the brain that's slowing things down. The body could kind of get it instantly. That's a good point. Never thought about that. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, totally is. Yeah. 
So I want to ask you about a couple of the um, so, so so the my experience. I guess it's, it's pretty yeah. pretty common. You guys just took me through the through, you know through, through what you do. I don't think I was unusual in any any particular nope. way. So you know you have like your kindergarten and grade one and keep, okay. keep going through. But there was. Um, wh- one of the sessions pretty early on, maybe five or six, was basically like my guide to normal life. Okay, so yeah, that was grade four. So when he's talking about grades here, is because remember, we're trying to teach you. We're trying to help you help yourself, okay? And so I was, 25 years ago, flown around the country to implement teaching so that teachers could get the students to apply it quicker. So I called it like reverse engineering. Right? And so what we found out was, hey, if people can get instruction, so what we found out was the apprentice-style learning was the best type of learning, which is now you have to observe what, is it, what, do, what happens during apprenticing. Well, so if you're a blacksmith or something, he shows you a little something, and then he lets you go do it. And you come back, or he comes around and looks at you, and he critiques you, and you might ask questions. So anytime I've set things up, I've tried to set things up that way. The only thing 25 years ago, we didn't have the internet, we didn't have webcams, we didn't have the ability to create quick and easy videos. So we do now, right? And so what we did is I said, wow, I wonder whether we can teach this in a way that it can be a a kind of a system, a step-by-step process that people can go through. Right, so when he talks about kindergarten, that's when you come in and we teach you the concept. If it hurts going up your steps on your right knee, on your right side with your right knee, well, then do the left side and see whether you can make it better. If it hurts to bend your right finger and your left one doesn't hurt, then do it. All right? So we teach these motions, but then all of a sudden, after you've done motions, those are exercise. What about real life? So in grade four, we begin talking about, hey, what about your sitting posture? Or not posture. Everybody talks about posture. Let's just talk about your seat height. So what we do is we take you through like, and we set up a stool, we set up one chair, we set up a stack of two chairs and a stack of three chairs, and we just make you sit in them. And we say, which one's the most comfortable? And do you know, I don't know what yours was, but it was never the chair that you're typically used to sitting in, the chair height. Do you remember whether it was your chair height or not? I don't, what I do, I don't remember which one, I do remember being surprised, and I also remember thinking that I'm doing this wrong, right? Because I'm not sitting, like the, what was comfortable wasn't like the ramrod yeah, it's sitting up straight and erect. Sitting up and, yeah. straight, like everything that I had learned was good posture. Yeah, wasn't, and then I noticed that as I, I did the exercise for a few minutes, it changed. Nice, good. So what he's talking about here is that we're believed to hey, um, if we go into erect posture, a lot of you just it's uncomfortable and you don't hold it very long. What we wanted to show you was if you went into comfort, and then but before you went into comfort, you tested how yucky it feels to be in an erect or sitting straight posture. If you just went into what was a comfortable position, two to three minutes of that, and all of a sudden the thing you couldn't do felt better. Mm-hmm. And not only do we teach you that in the sitting part, we will teach you that, guess what, when you go to pick something up, Howard, what are you taught? When you pick a heavy box up, what should you do? Oh, bend your knees, protect your back. Bend your knees, protect your back, and, equal, and weight bear on what? E- equally on both Equally feet. on both legs. Well, you guess what? About a third of the people like that maybe even less maybe it's 20 25 percent of the people is that their favorite and most comfortable position most people like to offset a leg which means one somebody likes to put a they like to put one leg in front of the other and weight bear more on the front leg Uh all right and so if then we teach you that we should let you experience what you thought was the way to do it because you've been kind of brainwashed into thinking you've got to weight bear equally um, and some of you may, but for the majority of you, you will actually prefer a leg in front and one leg behind you just slightly or spaced out quite a bit. And there's even things now, so we take that and we show you that, and all of a sudden now it's rolling in, and you can talk about that, into real life kind of stuff. Then we have you transition from getting up from the floor up to sitting or standing. And you'll notice there's exact ways that your body likes to do it, and there might be exact ways you, your brain thinks you should do it. And so we'll test both ways, we'll treat both ways, and you'll notice one doesn't get you better, it might even get you worse, and one way gets you better. And that's the way we keep on treating you. Yeah, what I noticed was that, when, that so my brain got the concept of, okay, so there's ways that are comfortable and I should do those, but my brain wasn't going to let go yet. So my nice. brain was trying to memorize 
like, okay, this is how I should get out. What did out. they tell me I had to do? Right, right. exactly. And, you know, so, and, and, you know, like, like yeah. trying to memorize standing. Like, yeah, and because you're in pain, you're thinking there's something I'm doing wrong, right? It, I must have this pain because I'm doing something wrong. So I got to listen to all this other in, not innate stuff within our own bodies instead of learning how to listen more, even more to your body. Yeah, so that, so that was one of them that was, you know, that was um, remarkable because, I guess, you know, you mentioned earlier, okay, you can get better in like a minute by doing this exercise, but then, you know, you can go home and get worse again. Correct. Right? So, yep. so people, I imagine, come back after a couple of weeks and said, well, you know, it, it didn't work. Okay, good. So I can address that. See, when, so, like when Howard said, hey, I, got, I did that exercise and I got better. Well, great. You got better. But what does better mean? Okay, you got better, but you didn't get well. For example, you can sprain your right leg. You can weight bear a bunch on your left side and kind of offset that. I don't want to go into the complexity of that, of the, that picture because we're here. But you can't, um, you can't ease into the idea that you didn't get well yet. You can't get well because, you, 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 sorry, you can't get well overnight. You have to have the education to do these things, to, to break your mindset, all right, that, wow, I'm not sitting comfortably right now. Or, hey, when I do that motion, it's not comfortable. And once you do that, then you'll realize there's maybe no such thing as a cure or a fix, all right? It's about there's a way in which to get yourself really better so you don't hurt. And when you do get hurt or it is hurting, there's a way to get out of it. Mm-hmm. And that's the power of it, is that you've got to see that once you get the idea of, wow, I can make myself, I can get in a position and make myself hurt, all right? But I can also get in a position to make myself unhurt. Right. Well, it's, it's like I'm thinking about it like driving a car down the street, and I don't look where I'm going, and I smack into a parked car on the side, and then somebody has to come and, you know, tow me and fix nice. the car and like and then I go and I do it again because I'm not paying attention then right. I go to the tow truck and I like your analogies I like your right <laughs> and exactly. I go it didn't work right right exactly right hey you, you, I still have the dent no you put the dent back there yeah you, I, I hit another car exactly oh, nice nice yeah um, totally agree yeah and so there's living life you are doing things that are either helping yourself heal as a, as a whole body or there's things that you're un you're twisting up and making yourself tighter like kind of like to say a twisted rubber band and you're either doing one or the other during the day okay and you could be doing several different things during the day so some days i mean if you if there's days that you feel better and there's days that you feel worse well guess what you're doing things on those days you feel worse that are making you feel worse you just don't know about what car you hit and this hopefully exposes you to where that dent came from if you will right and and the teacher is always comfort right the, the body's innate wisdom saying oh this would feel good yes where does a body want to go is typically now that doesn't say that we don't we can't go under restriction or discomfort to try to help it heal um, we do notice it's not needed as much but it's kind of like when you pull out a drawer and it's stuck you got a couple means you can pull out a drawer and you know whip it out right you know and jam it try to un, you know do it really quick in that motion Right. And it, sometimes it works, so I don't want to negate the idea that going in a restriction doesn't work. However, there's also chances to break that drawer. Yeah. All right. There's less chances of breaking the drawer if you pu- push it in and you try to ease it back out to see what, and what you're doing is you're trying to experience what, or experiment with what direction feels like it wants to go into. Yeah. And that's what we're doing with the body. We're just trying to find, not that we can't use the restriction sometimes, but we're it doesn't seem to be as effective, and effective to me means the word. It doesn't seem to be as fast. Right. So one of the, the sessions that I had that was really profound, I don't remember what it's called, but it was, it was something like where I would like initiate a movement and then follow it all the way to the <laughs> ground really slowly. Okay. So I, don't, you know, it was, I felt like a, yep. you know, like a really clumsy, hairy ballet, ballerina. Uh, yep. <laughs> so what's that about? So typically... Well, Howard stayed with us a long time because he wanted to learn this entire process. So majority of people are with us maybe 10, 12 sessions to learn a giant amount of information, okay? An easy step-by-step kind of stuff. Then there's advanced stuff that you can learn because you're so fascinated with it, all right? And what Howard's talking about is once you get up to, we have three phases, all right? We have phase one, phase two, and phase three, and there's grades in each one of these. And so as you get up there, you'll realize there's, there's a way that you can do an arm raise, and you can let your whole body flow through that arm raise, 
right? And so it just feels like you're flowing down a river. And if you can get to this idea of what it feels like to flow down the river where it wants to go, yeah. it just eases well, into it. Well, so you've like, got to describe this a little bit better. Well, it's maybe. like, so when I raise my arm up, yep. to the, let's say I raise my right arm up to the side, now my center of gravity is off a little bit. Yep. So I could either, like, so my, if my, then I could either like put more energy into my left leg to brace it, or if, the ener- if, if I'm a little off balance, I could start to topple really slowly in a controlled way. And I have to yep. see like, what wants to give. Like if I raise my right arm, then the, the, my left thigh wants, wants to bend or wants something. To e- either has to resist it or wants to bend. Then when the thigh bends, then I discovered that... You want to rotate. I want to rotate on my right ankle. And it just, it's, you know, it's like I could never have figured it out. But just by going, moving slowly and paying attention to what I was doing, it felt like this really graceful dance almost. Dance into, into mm-hmm. lying down. And so what he's talking about is that if you, you know, what we do is we even think, hey, let's do an arm raise. We have an idea of what an arm raise looks like. So we're actually blocking the way the body wants to go. Huh. And so we try to teach you, hey, look, this is an arm raise. But as you go up and you pull back, maybe your body's wanting all of a sudden to you know, drop its other shoulder down. And now maybe it wants to you know, slouch in its belly. And now maybe it wants to lean further forward or something. And now maybe the knees want to bend. Follow that arm raise and see what the body, where it wants to go. And we call it free-flowing. And um, that is, is a, an advanced process. But when you feel it, a lot of my artists, my musicians, love that mm-hmm. process. It just, just something is like, wow, that's what I wanted. They, they were creating it. They almost felt like as they were doing it or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, in our culture, it seems advanced. But if, like, if you teach kids, like, uh, yeah. probably that'd be the first thing they, they we, learn. We, we had a dancer in, right? And she wasn't getting better with some other stuff, and we showed her that. And it was just like because it, it clicked with the way her body loved to move, which was free-flowing, right? We actually naturally free-flow. If you can get an exercise routine or a pain relief um, uh, process to flow the way your body does and gets into the process, it's more likely to help you faster. Yeah, it's funny because so much of like what we think of as, as therapeutic exercise, you know, yoga or Pilates or stuff like that, we we think we have to follow the exact form from from, the, from the outside, and the forms were like developed to help us develop sensitivity to to our own natural movement. It's a good point. Um, it's a good point. That's. And I think that if you want to say, what's the seed that I'm trying to plant, is that awareness. The awareness that your body does know. And we do it in a methodical way that we can step you through to go from where you are to, whoa, I didn't know that was there. And then just like Howard did, he said, wow, I want to keep on learning more about this stuff. So one more um, mind-blowing class that I took was the one on becoming ambidextrous. <laughs> yeah, well, that is. Wow, if you did that, that's... Wow. Oh, I, I feel like I unleashed something there. <laughs> really? <laughs> and with that said, boom. <laughs> yeah, ambidextrous was cool. Is cool. So, so where did that come okay. from? First of all, describe like what the, th- what, right. the, what the principle is, like why I spent an hour doing that. All right, so the idea is, so I was out... So I like going through motion to try to help myself. So I was actually out in the backyard where we are now, and I was throwing a baseball. Right? And I was throwing a baseball. Uh, actually, it was a tennis ball for my dog. And I said, well, I wonder whether I can hit that tree over there. <laughs> and so I was throwing the ball, and with my right side, which is my dominant side, it was doing perfect. And I was like saying, you know, if this opposite side of stuff works, I should be able to make my left side throw as good as my right. And I was like, wouldn't that be amazing? Because, you know, I've never heard of anybody else creating an ambidextrous a person make them ambidextrous and so what I began doing is I all I did again through anything thought process away I just observed my right dominant side the one that I threw the ball with typically and I'd notice that my hands were a certain way my fingers were wrapped around the ball a certain way and when I went over to the left side they didn't wrap the same way so I wrapped them the same way and I threw the ball. And oh my gosh, it was like 70% better, right? And I was like, this is crazy. And then what I do is I then say, okay, where's my elbow? Where does it move through space? Right? And I just watch it. And so the good side became my, my gold standard. 
that I just paid attention to. I did nothing more than paid attention to it. And I would break it down into parts. Okay, let's pay attention where my elbow goes throughout this motion. Let's pay attention to how much the upper rib cage moves. Let's pay attention now to the way the hip moves. And I do each, you know, I do like five to ten throws just concentrating on elbow. And then I'd do five, and then I'd come over to the bad side, you know, the left side, the not so good throwing side. Um, I used to call it the girl throw, but I don't want to do that anymore because uh, it's not politically correct as far as it goes because I've got some people who've done some really great, great stuff on the, the other side. And what we do is by the time we get off, by the time you get done taking, be aware of the weight bearing that you're doing on the good side. Be aware, and then you change over to the other side and you pay attention to your weight bearing. It's totally different. And most of the time, we'll take somebody on a baseball throw and we'll improve them 70%. Mm. they'll get 70% more ambidextrous than they were when they started. And uh, what's, I mean, that's really cool, first of all, that, you know, because I think of my dominant side as being really innate. Yes. But it it probably started as, like, the road not taken, right? A slight preference that, that I then just grooved and grooved and grooved until it got really good. And the other side just never, never developed. Well, that's what we think. So I've got six kids, and I watch each of them as they begin starting to walk. And initially, oftentimes, they will begin, they, they, number one, even if, with eating and stuff, they'll use both, they'll use one hand and then the other hand, right? And they kind of are more ambidextrous. Then they'll go up steps. I'll watch them. This is always a big telling point. They'll go up steps, and when they're at that age that they can go up steps, they'll kind of use right leg up first, then maybe they'll take left leg up first. But there becomes a time when they start doing one leg more often. So there was what had occurred most likely is they had, they fell on their butt when they were walking or something and they shifted their body. In other words, if we had tested them, all right, put them back in alignment, they probably would have stayed where they're ambidextrous. Mm. And so what's happening is they're getting tightness and getting tightness and not releasing that tightness. That's my input of what I think now. And so if we had been releasing this stuff from the very beginning, we'd probably have a lot more people who are ambidextrous. And just on a side note, when I do see people who are ambidextrous, they release so quickly. But I've probably only seen three, maybe two or three people that were truly ambidextrous in my career. Huh. Huh. So I wonder um, why, why our culture or our species maybe is so right dominant. Um, well, so far what, well, what I hear about that too is it depends on which side of the equator we're talking about just like the water twirls to the right or something up here twirls to the left down there so maybe they're more left hand down there yeah i don't know i mean so i've heard other clinicians that teach and stuff and and this idea of right dominant may just also be our belief system maybe there's another part of the world that's more left dominant i'm not sure oh i I feel like if someone's listening who uh who wants to fund my yeah. research. To see whether that's Tra- travel around the world and play catch with people. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it could be a real boon to humanity for me to do that. Just to, I'll, I'll do a little th- uh, shout out there to about this idea of changing beliefs. There's a YouTube video called "The Backward Bicycle." I recommend it. All, everybody go mm. take a look at it, and it will let you know how programmed in or grooved in we are to our belief systems that then become our the way in which our body coordinates itself. It's, it's an eight-minute video. It's, it's awesome. That's right. So the backward bicycle. Just Google or just I'll, I'll, YouTube the backward bicycle. Yeah. I'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. I'll put a, link. I'll put a cool. link to that right in the show notes. Um, so I, I feel like I want to leave people with like an exercise to do, just, sure. just one, like, one thing that they could try on their own. And then okay. I'd also like to, for you to tell people, like I know you have a bunch of videos online, and this is yep. a, you know, an, un- an unfortunate auditory limitation that we, we sure. you know, we're not filming this. So what people can watch, and then how they can sure. uh, find out more. Okay, so just so while you're watching this, if you want to see it, and he'll put the websites down, you can go to totalmotionpt.com, and the PT stands for physical therapy. So totalmotionptpaulthomas.com, and that's my clinic website. Or you can go to totalmotionrelease.com and that's like release your hand um, release the balloons totalmotionrelease.com and these these exercises are usually on there in fact if you go to the totalmotionpt.com you guys can download a book and I think you can there's a couple other motions on there I think too so all I want you to do is there's going to be three motions it's an arm raise 
a trunk twist, and a leg raise. All right, so I'm gonna give you more than just one, and you can see these on the web. Um, take your arm, and I'm gonna make it simple as can be. Raise it up in front of you as far as you can, and try to get it all the way up to your ear if you can. And you're gonna compare that, left side versus right side. And now, when you do that, you're gonna to think to yourself, is one side 30% harder than the other side? You're just gonna kinda of say yes or no, all right? And now we're gonna go on and we're gonna do a tr twist. Okay, so you're just gonna to sit to the front of your chair and you're going to put your hands on your chest. Don't move your hands, because it's not a moving my hand um, uh, motion. It's a twist motion. So I'm just gonna leave my hands on my chest Okay, or my belly button, both of my hands crossed over, you know, just, and then you're gonna twist as far as you can to the right, feel what that feels like. Then you're gonna twist as far as you can to the left, feel what that feels like. Now I'm gonna ask you to do it again, but this time feel whether when you're twisting to the right, is it harder to get to the end? Is it slower to get to the end versus the left or vice versa? Now I'm gonna ask you this, is one of them 30% harder than the other one? or more, okay? Got it? All right, and the last one we'll leave you with is a leg raise. So slide to the front of the chair and put your heel down on the floor, just one of the, your heels down on the floor. Let your other leg be bent and then lift that leg as high as you can. Doesn't matter what your body does, you can slouch, you don't have to stay straight up and down, you don't have to stay erect. Just lift that leg as high as you possibly can. Feel what that feels like. Put it back down and compare it to the other side. All right, kick it up, 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 and back down. And now say to yourself, is one side harder than the other? Is it 30% harder? All right, so good. Now you've got a good look of your entire body. Pick the exercise that was 30% or greater and exercise for two sets of 15 to 20 reps on the good side. Right, so, so on the side that was easier? The side or, that was easier. Or had less restriction, more Correct. motion. Yep. Do the one that's easier. Now, if they both side, what we say are both sides are yucky, you won't do it. So pick the one that's got a yummy side and a yucky side. Go to the yummy direction. All right, do two sets. Like I'm doing a twist right now. I'm going to do my left side, which feels good. And I'm going to twist to the left all the way in the end range. Two sets of 15 to 20 reps. And so if you were doing an arm raise, you would do an arm raise, two sets of 15 to 20 reps. If it was a leg raise, it'd do two sets of probably 12 to 15 because it's heavier. And you're just gonna then see what, after you do two sets, retest the hard side. Is it easier? If it is, do it again. Do it four to six to eight reps until you go, wow, I think I've gotten as much improvement as I can get. And that's simple and easy. And again, if you don't see much difference, but you've still got some other pain complaints and you go, wow, I tested those three, but there's not much difference. Well, they just come in to see us. We'll find other, we'll get you the other motions. Um, so those are, those are the three easiest motions. But again, get to the websites and, and you'll be able to see that better. Excellent, excellent. All right, and uh, so your, your, your flagship location is in Raleigh, North Carolina. Yes. But you've trained a bunch of people all over the place. How, how can someone find a, uh, a qualified total motion release therapist near them? Cool. So you can look us up if you're in Raleigh. Um, again, just go total motion physical therapy and Google it. And we're on Wake Forest Road. But if um, you need another therapist from your another location, go to the totalmotionrelease.com. In the top right-hand corner, it says find a TMR therapist. And the entire list by state is there. Um, and by city um, that you can look up and find somebody near you. And when you do that, look for somebody that's had TMR level one, two, and three. So I've got three levels. So the more levels they've had, obviously the better TMR therapist they are. And th I say TMR, this technique is called total motion release. Awesome. Okay. So uh, before we let you go, what's, what's, uh, what's up for you next? What, what are your goals and plans and uh... Uh, good question so I'm always trying to get the message out there because you can see that I'm trying to plant a seed and trying to get as many therapists as I can doing this so that we can help as many people help themselves and so that's probably the biggest thing I've got to work I just 
train the uh, NHL athletic trainers in August. I've got another conference coming up here where we're doing, um, we're doing about 100 practice owners out in Denver. Uh, we've got, um, we go around and we do live online training for universities around the country sharing this same concept. Uh, and we do it mainly on uh, web classes. And so you can even get on totalmotionrelease.com and actually come to a web class. I won't know if you're a clinician or a patient. You can actually see this live in action. So that's been my biggest way to get the message out. Awesome. And, uh, you know, I was, I was uh, emailing with a client today who's, you know, working with me on kind of changing habits and lifestyle. Yep. And mostly we focus on, you know, fitness, exercise, and diet. And right. <clears throat> this person was talking about like a, a knee pain that they were having and how, how, how difficult that knee pain was making the, the, routine, the rest the of their life, all the other good stuff. And so, you know, to, to me, this is such a missing piece. And be, because it, you know, it, it reminds me so much of the way I teach people how to eat, right? Like, don't just read labels. Don't just think about macronutrients. Don't, don't try to brain your way mm-hmm. into it. But like, you know, the food that is meant for our bodies, like our bodies know what to do with it. And nice. in the same way that motion, that our bodies are 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 smart around motion, and w- once once we unlearn these these sort of you know ego controls, um, our bodies really can heal themselves quite rapidly. Yeah, as soon as we get out of our own way, we we do pretty well. Yeah, and that's what I say. Is I think that's what we're trying to teach. Whether you're doing it in nutrition or I'm doing it in in motion, is we're trying to show people how we've gotten in our own way. And then there's easy steps to get out. And usually once you do, you're like, wow. Yeah, right on. Well, Tom, thanks so much for for your hospitality and for taking the time to to explain all this. You bet. And a little thunder and a little storm here was kind of cool, eh? Yeah. Well, we'll we'll listen to it later. Hopefully hopefully we won't have to do a redo. All right. And uh, take care. Perfect. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Plant Yourself podcast. Be sure to check out the show notes with links to Tom's practice site and his training site and the backwards bicycle video at plantyourself.com slash 182. If you're new to the show, you can catch up on 181 archived episodes over at plantyourself.com. And if you don't get the weekly email newsletter, get over to plantyourself.com and sign up there. Thanks to Plant Yourself Podcast patrons, Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Marrow, Elizabeth Clifton, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherly, Mary Jane Wheeler, Alan Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Behrens, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Tina Ahern, Jen Falkonofsky, David Bizek, Michelle X, Espa Feldman, Victoria Dolomanova, Elias Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Holt, Josina, Julianne Rowland, for your generous support of the podcast. If you would like to support this show, you can share this and other episodes on social media via email. You can subscribe on iTunes and write a review there. And you can become a patron by pledging a one-time amount or ongoing gift to the podcast over at plantyourself.com. Just look for it on the right side. Got a new patron this week from Patreon. I haven't heard back whether I'm allowed to share their name publicly, so I'm holding off until next week. I am definitely back to a once a week uh, podcast publishing schedule because I'm working all hours on the book with Josh Lajani, which we're hoping to get out in December. And also because we're uh, ramping up the big change program starting in November. And uh, if you're interested in that, drop me a line, hj at plantyourself.com. It's a year long program. The price is right. And you'll have me and Josh in your corner for an entire year helping you to make the big change that will make the biggest difference in your life. In garden news, the surprise success crop of the fall so far has been broccoli rob, which I've eaten very little because it's kind of expensive and you don't see it very often. But we've just got a bumper crop, so I'm starting to learn all the different ways that you can uh, add that to your diet. And it's uh, cool and kind of delicious. And of course, there's the kale and various other salad greens. So that's uh, pretty much what's going on in the garden these days. We put some new seeds in, and depending on the winter, we'll see how long we can uh, we can get greens from the garden without having to go back to the store. So that's it for this week, and as always, be well, my friends.
All right, time for thanks. Thanks to Will Reidenauer for allowing me to use his beautiful song, Sabali Don, The Dance of Peace. You can find more of Will's music at his website, willreidenauer.com. And of course, thanks to all of you Plant Yourself podcast patrons. Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Maurer, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherly, Mary Jane Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Mr. Cobb, Rachel Behrens, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Tina Ahern, Jennifer Lukanowski, David Bizek, The Mysterious, Michelle X, Elspeth Feldman, Leah Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Landry, Josina, Sarah Durkis, Rhymes of Circus, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Pedersen, Janet Selby, Janet Selby, Janet Selby, hi Janet, Claire Adams, Tom Franzak, Jeanette Benham, Gillis, David Donahue, Blair Cyber, Dorona Vizov, Gio and Carl- Carolyn Argentati, Jody Friesen, Ruth Ann Funderburg, Misha Rosen, Michael Warbeck, the equally mysterious Tracy Z, Aviva L, Alicia Lemus, Rebecca Hughes, Val Lenneman, Rhymes with Cinnamon, Nick Harper, Martha Bergner, Susan Ahmads, and Olive Levine, the inscrutable Harry R, Susan Laverty, the Panda Vegan, Craig Kovic, Adam Sharp, Karen Burry, Heather Morgan, Kelly Machia, Dean Norton, Bonnie Lynch, Plant Happy Oregon, Sabina Kurtzels, Nigel Davies, Marion Blum, Teresa Cobble, Julian Rodkins, Breed O'Connell. Shannon Hirschman, Linda Ayat, Holm Hedegaard, Izatuzinwa, Connie Hainline, Aaron Greer, Alicia Davis, Heather O'Connor, Carolyn Jensen, Sherry Olakoski of Plant Power for Health, Karen Smith, Scott Marani, Karen Joe Crabtree, Tanya Lewis, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carell, Kevin McCauley, Elizabeth Rothschild, Dan Jesse, Cheryl Dwyer, Jenny Hazleton, Valerie Peltier, Peter W. Evans, Colleen Harrison, Justin Divich, Ashra Summermeyer, Dennis Bird, Darby Kelly, Laurie Fanny, Linnea Lundquist, Valerie Hummel, Emily Iaconelli, Levy Wallach, Rosamund McAtee, Dan Bacorny, Stephen Leenan, Patty DiMartino, Mike and Donna Karts, Dean Bishop, Bill Brielf, Gunter Schmidt, Marjorie Lewis, Kelly Molden, Trisha Adams, Ian Kramer, Nancy Sheldon, Lindsay Bayshore, Gunmarie Hagen, Tracy Gulledge, Laura Heaton, Meg from Mama Says, Rochelle Kennedy, Diana Goldman, Stacey Stokes, Ben Savage, Michael Kay, Holly Butler, David Hughes, Connie Rogers, Claire England, Sally Robertson, Parang Ganshi, Amy Daly, Brian Tourville, Mark Jeffrey Johnson, Josie Dempsey, Karen Schmidt, Pamela Hayden, Emily Perryman, Olga Sidorowska, Allison Corbett, Richard Stone, Lauren Vaught of Edible Musings, Aaron Hasty, Sean Owen, Sawyer Nayak, Erica Piedra, Danielle Roberts, Michael Lushton, and Sarah Johnson for your generous support of the podcast. That's it for now. As always, be well, my friends. <laughs>